You're listening to an excerpt from The Case for United Prayer, a compilation of works by Jonathan Edwards, Samuel Prime, and Richard Cross. The chapter you are about to hear provides a detailed account of the Third Great Awakening that began in New York City in 1857 and spread throughout the world. Chapter 3. The Revival Spreads We come now to another portion of great interest in this work of prayer. Not only in the Fulton Street meeting was prayer made, but morning prayer meetings began to be established in different churches. The Broom Street Church was one of the first to open a morning prayer meeting. Other churches followed, both in New York and Brooklyn, without any pre-concert or any knowledge of each other's movements. Some time before any other was heard of, and nearly simultaneously with the Fulton Street meeting, if not before, there was instituted a daily morning prayer meeting in the Plymouth Church, Brooklyn. In a quiet and unostentatious way, others were commenced, earlier or later. In the second month of the Fulton Street meetings, several morning daily prayer meetings were in existence. The fear of imitation held back some from moving in the matter, but more commonly there was no thought of this. The place of prayer was a most delightful resort, and the places of prayer multiplied because men were moved to prayer. They wished to pray. They felt impelled by some unseen power to pray. They felt the pressure of the call to prayer. So a place of prayer was no sooner opened than Christians flocked to it to pour out their supplications together. Christians of both sexes, of all ages, of different denominations, without the slightest regard to denominational distinctions, came together on one common platform of brotherhood in Christ and in the bonds of Christian union, sent up their united petitions to the throne of the heavenly giver. The question was never asked, to what church does he belong? But the question was, does he belong to Christ? The early dawn of the revival was marked by love to Christ, love for all his people, love of prayer, and love of personal effort. Never in any former revival since the days of the first Christians was the name of Christ so honored, never so often mentioned, never so precious to the believer. Never was such ardent love to him expressed. Never was there so much devotedness to his service. The whole atmosphere was love. It is not strange, then, that those who so loved him should love his image wherever and in whomsoever they saw it. It was a moral necessity. The union of Christians was felt. It needed no professions. Hence there was no room for sectarian jealousies. It was felt that all Christians had a right to pray. All were commanded to pray. All ought to pray. And if all wished to pray and pray together, who should hinder? 
disunion of Christians in prayer struck the unbelieving world with amazement. It was felt that this was prayer. This love of Christians for one another and this love of Christ, this love of prayer and love of souls, this union of all in prayer whose names were lost sight of, disarmed all opposition, so that not a man opened his mouth in opposition. On the contrary, the conviction was conveyed to all minds that this truly is the work of God. The impenitent felt that Christians loved them, that their love of souls made them earnest. The truth now commended itself to every man's conscience in the sight of God. They felt that this was not the work of man, but the work of God. They were awed by a sense of the divine presence in the prayer meeting and felt that this was holy ground. Christians were very much humbled. Impenitent men saw and felt this. They felt that it was awful to trifle with the place of prayer, sacrilegious to doubt the spirit, the sincerity, the efficiency, or the power of prayer. It began to be felt that Christians obtained answers to prayer, that if they united to pray for any particular man's conversion, that man was sure to be converted. What made them sure? What made them say that they thought this man and that man would soon become Christians? Because they had become the subjects of prayer, and men prayed in the prayer meeting as if they expected God would hear and answer prayer. All these convictions combined made almost all classes of men approachable on the subject of religion. It was not difficult to get access to their hearts. God thus prepared the way for their conviction and conversion. We have been speaking of the beginning of the second month of Union Noonday prayer meetings. Concerning them, we find such words as the following in Mr. Lamphere's journal. Attended the Noonday prayer meeting. A good attendance and a good spirit prevails. For God is manifest in this movement. A blessed spirit pervades the place. Had conversations with awakened sinners. A young man arose in the meeting and gave in his testimony to the benefit under God of coming to the prayer meeting. You've been listening to an excerpt from the Case for United Prayer, a ministry of sermonaudio.com. The purpose of this book is simply to inspire and invigorate God's people to take up the same mantle in our own generation and to give ourselves continually to prayer. Remembering God's marvelous works in the past enlarges our faith in the place of prayer and gives us bright hope for the future. May God bless this humble attempt.